I'm ready. So whenever you guys are ready, I finally caught up to you. Are you ready, Michael? I guess so. All righty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Glass Half Sports. It is Thursday, March 31st. 31st. No fooling. 20? Yeah, no, no fooling. Uh, that'll be tomorrow. Um, now you got me all thrown off with your April Fool's joke. Glad to have you guys in with us for another exciting week of sports talk. Um, if you are looking to comment on the show here live, make sure you join us either uh, on Glass Half Sports, but if you want to see your comments seen on screen, head on over to Notoriety Sports Network. That's where we will be able to get to you. I am one half of your hosting duties, Nick Huffman, and the other half of your hosting duties is Michael Mensing. How you doing this morning, buddy? I'm doing well. Um, yeah. Uh, as always, folks, if you want to find us on our social medias, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, uh, Facebook as well, Twitter, Spotify, and YouTube. Um, and then where can we be found post-show? Uh, that will be on MCN. That's Channel 6 here on the Twin Cities. Best bet to find us is probably going to be late night on Saturdays at 10. Yep. It's going to be a good time. Uh, put the kids to bed, like Mike says, and catch up on the on a week's worth of sports if you has been have been busy here uh, in the Twin Cities. We got a big show for you guys this week. Mike, what do we have for the folks? Yeah, a lot to get through. A lot has happened since last Thursday as per our trend. Yeah. Um, so we're going to open with uh, Talking Twins segment, um, new segment to kind of accompany our Wild Wolf Watch as the Twin Seasons gets underway. Um, we're going to do a segment called MLB Over Under. We're going to do our typical weekly Wild Wolf Watch. Yes, sir. Uh, cover some NFL news and then talk about NCAA Final Four. Yep, because uh, a little bit of history in the making between Duke and North Carolina is going to be coming up later on this week. So uh, we got that for you. Uh, like I said, if you'd like to comment in during the show, we would be happy to have you. Um, and we can roll right on into our new segment that's kind of a parody of what we do for Wild Wolf Watch, which is our weekly Twins Talker. Um, by the way, folks, before we get into this, I can also say if you would like to join us live at uh, Saint, at CHS Field uh, covering the St. Saint Paul Saints all season long, me and Mike will be there on Thursdays and Sundays for all home games as we got our press credentials. Let's go. So we'll be out there covering your future Minnesota Twins prospects and uh, having a little bit of fun out at the ballpark. Looking forward to seeing you there as the season gets underway. We're kind but, of a big deal. Yeah, we are. We're growing quick here. And it's all thanks to great production value from Gabe in the back, by the way. Thank you so much, Gabe. Um, now, a little bit of news for the Minnesota Twins uh, to, our, I guess, leading into our show this week. They just finally decided to fill out the rotation with the signing of former Tampa Bay Rays and Pittsburgh Pirates pitcher Chris Archer, uh, Mike, your thoughts on this as the move for the fifth guy in the rotation? Um, to be honest, this to me goes back to the status quo twins move yep. during the off season. Um, not the move that we needed to make after signing Carlos Correa. Um, not too impressed with who Archer is. He's maybe had like a good year here or there five years ago. Okay. And as accustomed, you know, the twins are going to go and get a guy who five years ago was really good. And hope to God that he can turn back the clock now that he's wearing the red, white, and blue. Yeah, so my thought on this was this was definitely plan, well, let's see here. Plan A would have been signing Rondon from the White Sox as an unrestricted free agent this offseason. That didn't happen. Uh, option number two would have been maybe a trade for Frankie Montas, which from all the things that I have heard uh, across baseball right now is they're just not communicating with the Twins. The Twins have made plenty of offers. The, the Athletics are just not saying 
yes, we need more, we need less, here's what we're looking for, so on and so forth. So lack of communication there kind of cancels out option B. I even heard that the Twins offered the same amount of money and the ability for Zach Granke to come in and help with uh, the draft uh, cycle. For the, and he signed with the Kansas City Royals because I know that's a, an important thing for him. He's looking to move into like the baseball front office after he retires at the latter end of his career. So you're down to option D, which would have came down to, and we posted it on um, on Instagram and Twitter the day that it actually happened, was Johnny Cueto, Chris Archer, and maybe Cole Hamels, um, who's looking to get back into the league this year. Um, Cueto doesn't seem to be ready to go for the, sheet, for his, the start of the season. Hamels... Once again, injury, a little bit older, may not be ready to go. But Chris Archer was on pace for the start of the year through a bullpen section session, 60 pitches. I did look at some of the stuff that he had posted on his Twitter about his off-season workouts. And you got to remember, this is a guy that was losing some velocity, looked like he had lost some on his, on his pitches. But a lot of that had to do with the fact that he's recovering from an injury. Last year, he had what's called neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome in his throwing shoulder, which is where he had some blood vessels under his collarbone that were being collapsed upon um, due to stress or inflammation or whatever the case may be. He goes in and he gets that repaired. And after watching some of his stuff from his bullpen sessions, I think this is going to be a sustainable guy. Do I think he was your best option? No. But do I think this he's got enough in the tank to make this work, especially with his relationship with a guy like Rocco Baldelli dating back to his time at Tampa? Yeah, I do. I mean, if he gives you eight wins and six losses this year, I'd count that as a W because you're not going to get anything better than what you have from a guy that's in our farm system right now. I I I don't know if I agree, to be honest, because I don't know if he'll give you eight wins and six losses. I don't know if he'll take the mound eight times. Really? Yeah, dude. He's pitched, let's see. So since 2019, he has pitched a total of 138 innings. Yep. In three years. I don't disagree with you. Remember, and then we're basically signing him because he's ready to go by opening day. Yeah, yeah. He, he can pitch by opening day. Perfect. So we went from hey, we just signed Carlos Correa. We could actually make a push towards possibly division leader this year, division winner this year. Yeah, and then we turn around and sign a guy because he can pitch by then. Like I just, it's it's interesting to me. It's the flip side of the coin from the Korea deal. True. True. I would agree with you there, but I also think that this leaves the door open for your ability to maybe go get Montas towards the trade deadline. If things continue to deteriorate with the Oakland A's, um, it also gives you the ability to do things uh, like wait and see, does Balazovich take a step? Does Winder take a step? Does Duran take a step? And maybe then Archer transitions to the bullpen and you wind up with one of those guys in your starting rotation. It gives you more freedom versus if you were to go get a, a guy like Johnny Cueto, who may not have been ready for opening day, but is definitely a guy that is going to demand a little bit more money. And you're not necessarily going to be able to remove from the rotation or move him to the bullpen. But has a much higher ceiling, in my opinion. It gives you, I, I agree. But I think the freedom is what they like here. I think his relationship with other guys in, in the organization plays a big role in this as well. You know, his familiar, familiarity with Rocco Baldelli, um, who I believe was a catcher, Probably knows quite a bit about Chris Archer from their time together in the league. I just know that two weeks ago, the Twins' plan was, hey, we don't really have any pitching, so yep. we're going to kind of just throw anything at them and hope to God it holds them to four to five runs. We can score five to six and just do it that way the whole season. And that's clearly their plan for the entirety of the regular season as of right now. 
Yeah, I mean, I think his ceiling is what we got out of Irving Santana when we signed Irving Santana back in the day. I really do. Yeah, I don't even know if it's that high. Oh my to gosh, I really don't. What? A, what? What are taking shots at the new guy in town already? Come hey, on, man. Welcome. I hope you stay healthy because if you don't, it's a waste. If he stays healthy, what do you think his ceiling is? I, I'd say eight and eight, something like that, possibly. He, he I mean, he's going to be like the three or four in the rotation for uh, sure. Yeah. Um. We just need him to eat up innings is the biggest part. Yes. And to sign a guy who's only pitched a hundred and some innings in three years to eat up innings is counterintuitive. I think some of that has you to see do what with, I'm saying. Like, I think some of that has to do with the fact that you're going to see a guy like Duran in the bullpen, who's kind of our long relief pitcher this year, yeah, who's also going to develop. It's going to be a Minnesota role. Twins baseball where we see five pitchers a game. It's going to be awesome. That could be until at, June, and then all <laughs> of them are going to be dead tired. And yeah. Yeah, that could be that could be a little bit of a rough stretch. But uh, let us know what you guys think on the Chris Archer deal. Uh, what do you think his ceiling is? What do you think he brings to the team? And was this the right move to make, barring the options that we had left? And going from aging starting pitchers to some of the youth that we have in our rotation this year, let's talk about some expectations for uh, the team as a whole. And we can start with Joe Ryan and Bailey Ober, who seemed to take a little bit of a step last year in filling out the Twins rotation, and we can start with Flo Ryan himself, minus the hair, which I don't know if I completely agree with that decision. Hopefully he just doesn't cut his hair now for the rest of the year, and like Samson, he's ready to go by October. But uh, what are your expectations for Joe Ryan going into the season this year, Mike? Yeah, I have high expectations for him. Um, Me too. I felt like he played very well down the stretch last year. Um, what I look at is he played well in the Olympics mm -hmm. against international talent. Um, was almost dominant at the Olympic level. Understandably that it's maybe not the same right. as Major League Baseball, but it's it's probably one of the closest competition levels too. And those world team coaches raved about his progression while he right. was there. I, I expect Joe Ryan to pitch very well, possibly emerge as like someone who could be an ace for us down the line as well. And the thing is, the, is the twin season kind of depends on him to do so. Yes. Um, him and Bailey over, if they don't pitch very well, we're not going to have a very good season. Yeah, not at all. Um, you know, it, it's interesting to me because if you're looking at, okay, small sample size, that's what everybody goes back to for last year. Well, we got to see him play with the Saints, and what he brought to the Saints wasn't too much different from what he brought to the uh, Minnesota Twins by the time that he got here. You're looking at a guy who last year opponents had a sub-200 batting average against, and he had a sub-9 whip, like by quite a bit. If those numbers came up to that, and then he could, he sustained in you know innings wise, you're looking at a guy who's going to give you 180 innings pitched this year as a second year starter, and is going to have guys hit I would say what 220 and have a a whip floating just above or around one. That's a guy you put in your rotation for the next 10 years. You know what I mean? So I would not be surprised if he's odds on favorite to be rookie of the year in his first full season as a starter. Like Joe Ryan has that kind of ceiling to him. And I mean, what 10, 13 wins. Does that, would that be astounding to you? No, I, I would, I would a hundred percent agree, but not be like, there's kind of levels to this, right? So I would not be surprised if he wins rookie of the year and kind of dominates, gets 15 wins, eight losses, something along those lines. But if he goes 12 and 10, I'm, I'm still going to take it because yeah. that's still Twins are playoff possible at that point in time yeah. if he does something like that. It's going to be very, very similar for Ober. Same. Um, he's going to have to win more games than he loses, not by much, but he is going to have to kind of go deep into games at least the sixth inning, in my opinion, because we don't have much of a bullpen still. 
My issue with Ober is what I looked at for his whip. His whip was much higher, like much, much higher. I think his whip was actually up around mid one twos or one, one threes two. last year uh, at times. And that's, that's not doable, especially in a, in a division where you're going to have to go up against the White Sox consistently. And with a lineup that as much as it has been improved, doesn't hasn't proven the ability to score runs enough to counterbalance bad innings like that. You just you can't do it because so that also reason, leans into chewing into our bullpen early because you throw a lot of pitches when your whip is that high. The reason he gets away with it is because his K's per nine is above nine. So he'll let a guy on and then he'll just strike the next guy out. Which so is it, like he kind that's why he gets away with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I if think, you don't throw as many K's as he does, you're gonna be in trouble. I think the re- the next step for him this year, like if you if he really wanted to cement himself, and he's what twenty six, so he's a part of that young rotation. Yeah, twenty six, twenty seven, he's in ninety five. So yep, yeah, twenty six. Yeah. So he uh, he's a part of that young rotation that they're trying to build for the Twins to sustain, you know, the Correa, Buxton, Polanco years that we have on the books for now. Um, is going to be taking bringing that whip down. If he can bring his whip down closer to one one, even or you know one under one one. But above one, you know, in that area, 1.09, 1.08. I think the wins then tilt a little bit in his favor. He got plenty of starts last year. Like, he's a guy that you should expect to be making that I'm a, I'm a professional yeah. now. And if he doesn't, then in my opinion, I don't know, is he somebody that you'd move off of at the trade deadline to improve, you know, your rotation? Maybe. I think it's, a, it's all going to depend on where the Twins are at the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, if they are... You know, three games behind the White Sox, then possibly we moved, you know, someone to get that Montas or some, that extra actu- yeah. actual pitcher that belongs in our starting rotation. Um, but the worry is, dude, is if we're 15 games back at the trade deadline, Carlos Correa will be gone, in my opinion. As well. Oh, yeah. No, I agree with that. So it th- it's going to be an interesting season for the Twins. And it's, to me, on the shoulders of these young players. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's on the shoulders of them, and let us know what you guys think about Ober and Joe Ryan and what your expectations for them are coming into this year. But the other pieces that it really is going to hinge on on the offensive side of things is going to be three players, Byron Buxton, Jorge Polanco, and Carlos Correa. The, the meet, the center of our team. Pitchers, second basemen, and center field, right? Um, let's talk about some expectations for them as well. Byron Buxton, to start with, looks fantastic. Hit a grandy. The other day in spring training, uh, Mike thinks he's hot enough to be cold for opening day, which is a week from today, or at least play opens up at Target Field a week from today. Um, what are your thoughts on, on just, what you should be getting from Byron Buxton Correct this year? me if I'm wrong, but have we not heard Byron Buxton is tearing it up in spring training before? Yeah, for every year since he's been a twin. Okay, <laughs> literally every year. And he's yet to truly reach the potential that we thought he would hit in the majors. So, again, Byron Buxton needs to play to that potential. Um, he needs to stay healthy for at least, I'd say, 130, 140 games. That's what I was said. Anything When we talk to Nash Walker, I think the benchmark for him earning his money is to play to potential at over 100 games and be healthy when it counts. Yeah. Like, I'm, if, you get a, if we get him for 130 games but come the postseason, he's banged up and he's not available, that's not worth anything. But if you're looking at a guy who over his last 162 games and we know this thanks to Aaron Gleeman going out and doing all the math, has 42 home runs, has driven in like 90-some-odd RBIs, has stolen 20-some-odd bases. That's an MVP-caliber guy. 
when healthy. It just took him three seasons to play 162 games. Which is the issue, right? So at anything over 100, I think we would call that a success, right? Especially with the limited stints that we've been able to see him the last couple of years. Yeah, and like I'm, I'm, I try to watch as many Twins games as possible every yes. summer. I don't know. I don't think I've ever met anybody who watches all 162. <laughs> but Me from my experience watching the Twins over the past few years, Buxton is extremely streaky as well. Yeah. He'll be extremely hot for about a week to 10 days, and then he disappears from the lineup, either getting injured or just cold as a Minnesota winner. Where um, does that put him in your lineup then? I would believe that he's going to hit leadoff for this team this year. So I personally would put him at nine. Why? Because uh, we're going to fight about this. The mid that you said that my heart sank nine. I would put him at nine for your MVP caliber player. The guy that you just signed to a seven year massive deal. You're going to put him at nine. I would put him at nine because no. it flips the order over faster on those opposing pitchers. I th- now you have nine, one, two, three, four. Like that's, we don't have a, a true five hitter. Like that sounds ridiculous. Let's see here. Uh, uh, Alia Beeks, Gabe, you excited for Seiya Suzuki? I'm super hyped that we have him. Oh, yeah, they did get him at the Chicago Cubs, the hot star from Japan. What are your thoughts on that, Gabe, real quick? Well, I got a few things going on in my head right now that I need to talk to. First of all, super excited, but that's because I've decided in my head as a, it's sort of a, well, I've just said that in my head that he's um, Ichiro Suzuki's like stepson or, <laughs> or, or even biological son. I've just decided to make that a thing because I love Ichiro yeah. and I love um, Japanese players in general. I love the Japanese people. Um, and then um, and then also Ayla Beeks, I don't know if it's a man or a woman from the name. Like I can't tell. I don't want to be wrong, but I want to know if that person wants to go on a date because of this next comment that says she's a Cubs fan or he is. Whoever it is, yes, I'm excited. That's what I'm saying. As long as they're over the age of 18. Right? Yeah, that is a child in the photo. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to walk that back just in case. Um, no, no, it's, yeah, hell yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited about um, Stroman pitching, too. Yep, the best rapper, the best rapping pitcher in baseball you guys have as well. Do you guys, like, uh, I mean, is there anyone with the twins that you are psyched about? Who's the last twin, like, for Donaldson, were you psyched? No. Really? Unhealthy. It was, it was, it was a it was a common Minnesota Twins move yep. where yeah. you sign a guy three years past his prime. Yep. Yeah. Um, but getting back to Buxton, I just don't think, and I agree, but with him being such a streaky hitter, like you were talking about, I think what you have to do is get him as many at bats as possible. And the guys that get as many as bats as possible are going to be your one, two, and your three hitters. Just so based on volume, he's got to hit in one of those spots to me. And I think if also if you hit him at the top of the order, you're also protecting him with the with a guy like Polanco, who's a great switch hitter who hits at two, and Correa who hits at three. You know what I mean? So I think like putting him at nine, you're opening him up to a world of limited at bat volume. He's not going to be protected in that part of the order. It just wouldn't make any sense to me. How to would see he not be nine. protected in that order? If the the who's your leadoff hitter going to be? You could put Planko at two still. You could still put Correa at three. You could put Sano at four if you wanted to. Kepler at five. Um, Who's your leadoff guy? You could do Falafa. Or not Falafa. Um, you could do... Um, Gio Urshela is not a top-of-the-order guy. Arise is not a top-of-the-order guy. Urshela would probably be eight. 
See, I think you could Urshel- put Polanco at one and Arise at two, though. Not there's okay. not enough speed there at the top of your order. Then, if you ask me, that's that's what I think the issue is. Because also putting him as your first over, the guy that hits at the top of your order, that gives you the ability to put pressure on a pitcher in the very first inning if Buxton were to get on base with his speed. And if he doesn't get in, in uh, <laughs> if you have a streaky hitter who's cold leading off your team, though, that's gonna the morale of your team drops when he strikes out to start the game. I know, and it's a it's a great debate to have. So let us know what you guys think on where he should be in the order. But I mean, that's he's he excelled in the nine spot last year. Excelled. Yeah, I don't know if that's where they're going to keep. It's going to be hard to keep a guy that you're paying that kind of money in the nine spot for the next seven years. I'm sorry, he's going to have to learn to say he's going to be there for the the next seven years. But and then how about guys like Correa or Polanco? Who you want to go with next? Um, Polanco. Okay. As long as he can duplicate his his year from last year and not slide too far back, I believe that you're looking at a guy who's an all-star caliber second baseman and should be your anchor. Switch hitter at the two spot, gives you versatility at the top of your order, makes the Twins real dangerous leading into three, four, and five hitters. Yeah, I would agree completely. And, um, and I, I think the big part of his game that we're going to see improve actually is his fielding. Yes, especially being over at second. Short was a bit of a stretch for him athletically, I, I thought, even when he came up through the system. Yep. Um, Correa, though, seems to have no issues over there at shortstop. In his first game, he was already flashing the leather during spring training. He's already got a long ball as well. Uh, to add to that, you said you wanted to see his bat wake up a little bit. Seems like that's the case. What are your expectations for Correa, who also has a little bit of an injury history? To prove comments like that wrong. Oh, Correa isn't worth... The contract he got from Aaliyah Beeks. I don't know if that's. Accurate. I'm sorry, but that's like that's asinine. Yeah, that's kind of wrong because he got a one year deal that's worth the highest five, the highest and yeah, Ayla, Ayla. Yeah, my apologies, Ayla. <laughs> I mean, he is one of the best shortstops in baseball. We you get him on a rental, it works well for him with the opt opt outs at the end of the season. He has to play to the contract because that's basically what his move was, yep. was to sign this contract so he could get the mega deal. Yep. I think it's a win-win-win all the way around for all parties involved. And he's basically going to play well. If yeah. he doesn't, the Twins have a top 10 shortstop now for three years because right. he's not going to opt out on a down year. Exactly. And Scott Boris won't let him opt out on right. a down year. Like, let's keep that in mind as well. So, yeah, no, I think uh, he's got to stay healthy and he's just got to play to par. You know what I mean? Or somewhere near that. Do you think this is enough? <laughs> and we'll, we'll kind of talk about the, Actually, we'll wait on this. We'll wait on if it's enough. Let us know what your guys' thoughts are on Buxton, Polanco, and Correa. And then give me real quick, Mike, your sleeper hitter for the Twins this year that's going to make a massive impact. Still waiting for Sano to actually be Miguel Sano, in my opinion, <laughs> and become a, an actual baseball player instead of a swinger of the bat guy. Yep. Um you know who I wouldn't be surprised to like take a step forward this year is Max Kepler. Okay. He has consistently basically gotten better every year of his career. Um, He'll do better, especially now that they've outlawed some of those shifts. I yeah. know everybody's going crazy with that, but he, <sighs> he and guys like Joey Gallo as well suffered mightily from the shift because that's where they hit the ball. You know who the hitting coach for the Twins is? Who? Rod Carew. Hmm. How does he allow these guys to not be able to hit against the shift? Good question. Gabe, what do you think? Like, <laughs> Rod Carew, man, could be like, oh, that second baseman is over one step. I'm going to put it right there. Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, no doubt about it. And I think he's 
much like me where he's just so depressed he can't even coach about it now yeah. i mean for real it's it's uh, i'm sorry you brought it up again <laughs> like i mean i'm, I'm serious it is so annoying you know who i think it's going to be for me the only other guy that i really think could be in it for like rookie of the year if he didn't play enough games last year was going to be alex kirilov was a great hitter last year dealing with a wrist injury that he decided not to have dealt with during the season he got it repaired during the off season They've tried him out at first base. He can play left field. He can play right field. He has spent some time in center. He's a guy that no matter who's hot or who's cold, I think you're going to consistently find in the lineup. And I would not be surprised if by, you know, the all-star break or after he's hitting in that five or six role because he's got a ton of pop in his bat and the numbers look good dating back to, you know, when he played for the saints uh, and you know, last year's numbers, I think he's a guy that, both defensively and at the plate is one of the twins most well-rounded young stars that could move forward this year. And then next year you're going, Oh, that's our five hitter pencil them in. See, I think you're one year ahead on Kirloff. Really? What makes you, what, 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 I just think he needs more experience under his belt. Really? Especially coming back from an injury. Could be, but we'll see. All right. What do you guys say? uh, If you don't mind me asking, I, I, I actually had a very weird thing come up. There's a twins rookie whose last name is eluding me, but it starts with an A, like a, like a Azalea or a Zeal. I don't know if I missed this when I was, no, no. it's like one of the hottest cards in baseball right now. Like, yeah. And I was like, I've never even heard of the guy, but Mm. okay. I thought you guys might know. Nope. Okay. Name's not ringing a bell for me. So uh, let us know what you guys think on the Minnesota twins guys like Chris Archer, uh, the young pitchers in Joe Ryan and Bradley Bailey Ober and the meat of our lineup with Polanco Correa and Byron Buxton and what your expectations are for all of them. We will get back to you here live on the show or in the comments afterwards. And now we can take a, a trip around the big leagues. The uh, plus minus is dropped recently with all of the moves that have happened on the rest of the MLB team. So we're going to do our little two minute drill between the American and the national league for some of the teams that you would expect to make the playoffs, right? Uh, based on their win totals and tell you whether or not Vegas is full of shit or if they've pretty much hit the nail on the head and we can start in the American League with the New York Yankees. Mike, 92 wins for the Yankees this year, plus or minus? I'm going to say minus. Me too. What was your reason why? I think they're too old where they're good and then where, like, and just, it's a weirdly built team. Like, the, their their power is a little old in most spots. Yep. And then... Like, their young potential hasn't really hit the potential that they thought that they would hit yet. DJ LeMahieu and some of those other guys. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that their pitching rotation leaves a little to be desired. I think they'll be like an 80 and 80 team right in there. Even in a hitter-friendly ballpark. And then we're going to talk about the rest of their teams and their division. You want to talk about, like, we were talking about the AFC West in football. The American League East in baseball has been one of the most brutal divisions to play in. I mean, the Yankees and Red Sox kind of brought it upon themselves, though. Oh, yeah, they did. I totally agree with you. You're going to spend $250 million a year and just be dominant. The other teams are going to catch you after a while. And for a while, it was just them. But then all of a sudden, it was the Blue Jays got better and the Tampa Bay Rays are competing for, you know, hunks of metal, as Rob Manchild would call them. It's a really hard division to be consistent in. And is Donaldson going to be healthy? Is Giancarlo Stanton going to be healthy? What does Judge look like in a contract year? You know, uh, Bauer's not Aaron back. Hicks is- Bauer's not going to be back till way late in the season with all the stuff that he's got going on. That's your ace. Aroldis Chapman is getting older. It's a team where, yeah, sure, 92 wins sounds right, but then you start to pick it apart and 
you go, how? How in the world would they make it to 92 wins? Well, I mean, on paper, right away at the beginning of the season, right now with that lineup, yeah, 92 wins definitely sounds reasonable. You get to July 17th, and they have injuries, and a minor league pitcher coming up to make a start, yep. and Donaldson is hurt, and Kiner Falefa hasn't hit the ball in seven games, but his gold glove is showing, like, there's, it's a weirdly built team at the end of the day, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. So, uh, off the Yankees and onto another team in pinstripes in the Chicago White Sox, the, uh, what everybody assumes is going to be the dominant force in the twins division this year at 91 and a half wins right behind the Yankees. I'm going to say more. Really? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead and tell me why. Again, I think this is a team that was built very well. It's a it's a youthful core that is only getting better, and I, I do see them taking another step this year. I, th I think that's the best team and the team to beat in the AL Central for sure. I would say 90, my plus minus would be like 93 and a half, 94 and a half right in there. I think they've got it on par, and if they fall short, it's only going to be by a game or two. Okay. Like, I really do think it. So we're within a five-game window that we agree, actually. Yeah, so my thing for them, once again, is going to be health. I think Yon Mankata has been a little fragile. Eloy Jimenez was not healthy at all last year, even though he was great. And that was net, you know, but they also lost a couple of pieces in their pitching rotation. Like Rondon is not there anymore. If I remember correctly, he moved on to the giants or something like that. Like he's not with Chicago. I don't think, but also you have to take into consideration now, how good are the twins going to be? How many games are the twins going to be able to steal out of that? You know what I mean? So if they fell short, it's probably not going to be by much. But the expectation should be very high for the Chicago White Sox this year. Yeah, we'll get into what I think the Twins will win, but it's White Sox won, will win the division, in my opinion, this year. Yeah, I think that's far and away the the uh, the overwhelming census on the Chicago White Sox this year. So, uh, and then a team from the north all the way down to Houston Astros in the south. Now they have lost a lot of pieces over the last couple of years. Correa no longer there. Springer no longer there. Verlander's getting older. They have seemingly aged out of the dominance that they displayed while they, they cheated. They, they're, they're past their winning window. Yeah, so what do you think the expectation from, quickly. for them should be? I was surprised when I saw this to see them at 92 wins. Yeah, I think they're a 85 to 90 win ball club if everything goes right. I'd be surprised if they won 85 games. I said if everything goes right. Like, they still have got a plenty of power. They hit in a hitter-friendly ballpark with a bunch of great hitters, right? And I don't know if anybody else in their division really threatens them. Not really, but at the same time, you still got to go out and beat Major League Talent every day. And right. like you said, it's an aging team. 162 games is a lot of games, especially when you're 37, 38, 39 years old. Like they're, some they're, of their pitchers are. They're an Altuve or an Alvarez injury away from a really ugly looking season. Yeah. And I think that talent after this year is only going to continue to depart Houston. So this would be their last chance, their last gasp effort to get it right for me in Houston. Unless they were able to bring in, you know, that guy from a few years ago, I think they call him Garbage Can. Mm -hmm. They're going to be 85-win team. Yeah, I would agree here. Uh, Tyler Green, my Orioles will suck again this year. Yes, they probably will, and I am so, so sorry. And they didn't do their hitters any favors by moving the, the fence back for guys like Mountcastle or Mancini who were bombing balls over the short porch last year either. So I apologize, buddy. Hang in there. One day the the Orioles will be great again, maybe. Let's talk about another AL East team. Yeah. Uh, one that, if you ask me, this, in my opinion, is the best team in baseball on paper right now. 
pitching and hitting and managerial, the ballpark that they play in, the division that they play in. Like you look at their Gabe, do we have the photo of their lineup? And I know you're doing your best to get them up here as, as quick as possible. Their lineup looks the definition of bulletproof. George Springer, Vlad Guerrero, Bo, Bo Bichette, like everybody in their lineup is great. And then you look at their starting pitching rotation, Jose Barrios. Um, I know that they got, were they the ones that got Gossman as well? I believe so. I at, at two, like their top three starters are insane. One through six in their lineup is bananas, and they play in a a bandbox of they a ballpark. They play in a bandbox of a ballpark. So if they won 100 games, would you be surprised? No, and as of right now, as of right now, because our prospects that we got from the trade haven't done what they're supposed to, Yeah, the Blue Jays are eating up the Burrios trade. Oh, really? As of right now. It's not done. I know. You can't make a final grade on it yet. But these are going to be the years that the Jays kind of have to capitalize on that trade. Because when we get our prospects, we might be a force to be reckoned with in the AL as well. Right now is the time for the Jays. I don't see a better team in their division. Like you said, that's more complete. That's more well-built. Yeah. If they Um, stay healthy, they could cakewalk to 90 wins. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, It's that easy for them this year. And the one sad thing is right now is I, I do think the prospects that we got for the Barrios trade are going to pan out and are going to help the team win. But right now, wouldn't you love to do that trade back the other way? You're asking me. Well, like, dude, I stood on the table and said that nobody should trade for Barrios. Here's what changed it, though. Us going and getting Correa and being aggressive like that. Oh, and they got Matt Chapman. They got Matt Chapman in this deal as well. Yeah. Holy smokes. I had completely forgot about that. That's another that's another 30 home runs in their lineup. That's 100 RBIs. Yep. Oh my god. That team is That's that's a fantasy baseball team. Basically. Yeah. In Toronto. That's so bananas to me. It's so bananas to me how good they're going to be this year. But to answer your question on um on Barrios, I, I get it. It changed it when we got Correa and Sonny Gray and we made some of these other moves. But looking back now, you Barrios just should have hold really, on. Yeah. You just should have held on to him. You well, just should have held on to him. Again, we can't grade the trade fully because the prospects haven't done the twins starting rotation to, this year would be Sonny Gray, Jose Barrios, Joe Ryan, Bailey Oberan, Chris Archer, maybe, and Danny Duffy. Yeah. That's a way that's a far improved rotation from what we have now. Well, and that's the funny thing, because like to my knowledge, we didn't change management. No. So. And the deal that he got in Toronto was not outrageous. Two different things though. I agree. And the deal he got in Toronto (laughs) wasn't outrageous. I think it was at most like what? 12, seven a year. Um, At most. That's what he got. I can look it up, but I thought it was like, uh, it wasn't an outrageous contract. It was something that the twins definitely could have afforded looking back. What's seven year. One thirty one. That's not outrageous. Not even close. Quick math. Come on, college guy. Uh, it's about $20 million over the next six years. It's not bad. That's not bad it's at all. It's more than 12. Well, it's almost double 12. It's considering Max Scherzer is going to make like 40. It's not horrible for a guy that would have been the ace in our rotation this no. year. So um, that's our thoughts on the rocket ship Toronto Blue Jays. And then a team that puzzles me at 89 and a half wins is the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, 
congratulations to Wander Franco, who I think is actually going to be one of the best shortstops here in the next three to yep. five years, getting that, well, I think it was like a 12-year deal worth a ton of money with Tampa. Congratulations to him. Um, but where are they finding 89 wins in that division with that lineup minus Nelson Cruz? Yeah, I mean, they're going to, here's the bad thing about what, I can't remember the, the fan's name who roots for the Orioles, but oh, they are just going to be the food of the AL East team yeah. to play them. So like the Rays are going to pick up, you know, 10, 12 wins against the Orioles throughout yep. the year. They do have some stars, man. They got Corey Kluber, Randy Rosarena. Tyler Green is his name. Wander Franco. <laughs> That's not enough. It's not enough. I'm just, it's, they're more Baltimore than they are Boston this year. Like, let me, let me put the, let me go on the record as saying this. It would not surprise me if the Rays only won 80 games. Yeah, no, it wouldn't surprise me either. If you would have said 60 games, I would have been like, eh, this is a better baseball team than that. I think 80 is about their ceiling though. I'd, I'd, I'd put my over under on them at like 82 and a half. Cause I would say 87 would be their ceiling. If they won 88, 89, 90 games, I would be truly shocked. And I get it. Everybody's living off of what happened last year with that crew. And every once in a while, the Rays seem to play that money ball style thing where they put enough hob, they, they, they cobble together enough pieces to get into the playoffs. And you're like, Oh my gosh, this is incredible. You can't, the following year is never kind to them when that right. happens. And this is the following year. So good luck, I guess, especially with some of the other teams that are going to be healthy this year. Like we talked about it with the Wolves last week. Situations are situational. They got into a league last year where the Yankees were kind of on a down year. The Astros, I mean, there were other teams that took a step back and they just stepped up in their place. I don't think that should be the expectation for the Rays. You and I have different uh, looks at what expectation means. So let's move on to the next team. Yeah, uh, they'd be my boys here in the Boston Red Sox. 87 wins over or under, Michael. This is another tough one. Um, let's see. I think the Jays are going to go about go ahead and look at that lineup. Devers oh, might hit 50 uh, homers this year. That's a good lineup. The it only is. It is. Especially now, the question is going to be, can J.D. Martinez stay healthy? And is, is Trevor Story as good a hitter outside of Colorado as he was while he was in Colorado, right? I think that's the, the I mean, overwhelming yeah, question yeah, on them. I mean, Bobby Dahlbeck is, like, supposed to be a power hitter at first base, too, but eh, yeah, leave we'll something see. to be desired. <laughs> it, it, this is a roster that looks really good, and then you look at it for longer than three minutes. And you I, go, yeah. that there, that there. You know what I mean? And it's, I'm going to say, I think that's, man, I would say that 87 wins is damn near dead on. Yeah. To be honest with you. And there, and how it could go is those late games in September, mm. Red Sox, Yankee games are going to be deciding the AL wild card behind your Jays. Yeah. Yeah. The other question, very similar. I think the other big question for the Red Sox this year is going to be pitching health, mm -hmm. right? Like last year, Chris Sale wasn't quite Chris Sale, but he's back this year. And if he plays to form, that's a Cy Young caliber pitcher. And then they have uh, Evaldi, whatever his name is, pitched well in the playoffs last year. If he's healthy, okay, there's another guy that can get you 15 wins. Like, but then who's three, four, and five, right? Like they need 
somebody to show up at the back end of that starting rotation, I believe, to make them a true contender in the East. But they'll probably hang around, steal a playoff spot, and then you know, playing in Fenway in October, there's a little bit of magic in that ballpark since 04. Yeah. So um, 87, probably dead on within five games or so. Yeah, I'm going to say 87 is pretty dead on as well. All right, and then the two teams that will be fighting for the final spots here, the Los Angeles Angels at 84 wins. Mike Trout, Shohei Otani. They got DeGrom. Or no, sorry, they got Syndergaard in L.A. now. What are your thoughts on the Angels? I think the Angels are the Lakers. See, me too. I think the Angels get talked about because they have stars, but they suck. When was the last time Mike Trout played a full season? When was the last time the Angels played in like a meaningful game? My point exactly. Um, like I love Shohei. I like Mike Trout. But I remember a couple of years ago, the question was who's going to be the better ball player, Mike Trout or Bryce Harper? Bryce Harper could take a shit for the next three years and then it would be an even discussion. Mike Trout has been unavailable to play baseball for three years. It's been bad. It's He's been so injury prone and a big part of his game was his speed. So what's left in CJ Crone is gone. I know he was gone last year in Colorado as well, but like, I just don't see the depth necessary in LA right now for them to win 84 games. When was the last time the Angels made the playoffs? Uh, probably Trout's second year in the league. It's been a minute. <clears throat> but you're right. I think that the Lakers is an accurate comparison for an L.A. team. Did the Rams suck all of the good juju out of L.A. this year to win a Super Bowl? All right, Gabe here. Gabe says, is Mike Trout in danger of hurting his legacy, especially with no World Series wins either? Yes. Hmm. I agree. I feel like, like, whatever, five years ago, we were like, he's a... This- First ballot Hall of Famer, kind of like he was. I mean, his ticket was punched. So, oh, yeah. well, so, that's that was on the basis that you thought you were going to get that all the way through his prime, and he has now lost all of his prime to injury. Damn near. The one comment I'm going to attack about you. So Mike Trout came in in 2011. Yep. Bryce Harper 2012. Mm-hmm. You said that, and I quote: "Bryce Harper could take a shit for three years." Yes. And Mike Trout would barely scratch the surface of him at that point. Okay. One of them has 267 home runs. The other has 310. Do you want to guess which is which? Oh, I'm guessing Harper has 310. No. Okay, Trout has 310. He has 40 more home runs than him in all those less games. That's I, I don't disagree with you, but the best ability is availability. And not only that, Harper's been available for playoff games. He was available for a playoff run, like two play at deep yeah, playoff but runs the in Washington. Yeah, going to the playoffs, so it's, it doesn't, like, whether Trout's healthy or not doesn't matter. I just he Trout how many Trout's batting average Trout's batting average is Harper's got one higher. and I think Trout's got one or I two. I think he had two or three even. I th- maybe we'll Let me see. The other I'll the other the other part of it is, and I don't want to get too hung up on the Harper thing because we got to get through the entire National League yeah, still. Right. But if he comes in and plays eighty games again this year and is all and they miss the playoffs again, you're starting to look at Mike Trout a whole hell of a lot differently. Well, I agree, but at the same time, he's still like he's literally the definition of a five tool player. He's Derek Rose career. He's Derek Rose right now. I um I just read something back here that's sort of um swaying me back to thinking I'm alarmist now with the Mike Trout thing. Um uh, whatever. So this thing says Mike Trout has held the top spot in our annual ESPN MLB rank for top 100 
um, player. So basically, he's ranked as ESPN's top player for eight consecutive years, starting in 2013. I think he's literally the best player in baseball, but he when has a available. trouble. He has trouble staying healthy. Yes, he's Daniil Hunter, or he's Derrick Rose, or he's any of the other all-time greats that just couldn't that was too explosive for his own good. I think that right the winning now. might hurt him like the most in the long run, even more than the injuries. The in lack a sense of winning. That, yeah, 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 exactly. Just that he's <laughs> never carried a team there, I guess. All right. So. Well, let us know what you think about Mike Trout versus Bryce Harper and the Los Angeles Angels plus or minus 84 wins. And then the last team, their close on the over-under was 81 wins for the Minnesota Twins. Where are we at, Mike? I think uh, more than that. I, 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 I yeah. strongly believe we're going to be right around the 85 to 87 win mark. I really do. Here, here was my thing. And I looked at the rest of these teams and I was thinking about our lineup. And then I was looking at, after we signed Archer, I was thinking about our rotation and the young guys that could come along later in the year, right? Like if Miranda gets hot and they call him up and he starts to DH or Kirloff. Kirloff, if Sanchez bounces back in the DH role and I'm like, could we steal? We said, under for the White Sox or under for the Yankees? Could we steal a few games there? Yeah. Could we steal a few games from Boston? Yeah. Could we steal a few games from Toronto? Maybe. Could well, we I mean, you know what I mean? To Could win we... 81 games in the major leagues is literally splitting your season down the middle. Yes. So can you steal three to four games that you maybe shouldn't win? I think, I, I think any team in the majors could win 81 games, realistically. I would take the Twins as odds-on favorite to win the wild card in the American League this year. I would agree with that, and I don't think it's a homer opinion. Let's really go. Don't. Let's go for the Twins this year. Play some good baseball. Get in the playoffs. All right. And then end this 0-18 streak in the postseason, please. National League. All right. National League. Uh, from one LA team to the other, the Dodgers. Uh, kind of built like the Blue Jays. Where's the hole? I Go ahead and try to like find the Blue one. Jays, but better. Their their three and four starters worry me a little bit more than, or sorry, their four and five starters worry me a little bit more than the starters that you're going to get in Toronto. But their lineup is better. The Dodgers will win a hundred games this year. Yeah, I would ninety seven and a half was their over under, and I would safely say over. Yeah, Mookie Betts. They uh, signed Freddie. Um, yeah, Mookie Betts, Freddie, Freddie Freeman. Freeman. Um, God, they've just got some Gavin Lux, Turner, Max like, Muncie. Like they've got some absolute sluggers Bellinger. on that team. Yeah, Cody Bellinger out there. Trey still. Turner. That's right. He's there too now. Yep. It's gonna be it. And Jesus. And then their starters you are literally don't get a break as a starting pitcher until you get to eight. <laughs> How crazy is that? Like my God. And then their starting pitchers are Ryu, who's a twenty win guy. Um, they've got. Kershaw, who's probably not who he used to, I mean, he's not who he used to be. He's towards the tail end of his career and he's often hurt, but that's another guy that could win you 15 games. But then that's where I start to worry. They're three, four, they're three, four, five pitchers, probably not as good, but they're batting. You don't order need the pitching. Like, yeah, they're going to score 10 runs a game. Who cares? So, yeah, that's I'll what pitch I got. for the Dodgers this year and they'll win 100 games. Exactly. Okay. So then the Milwaukee Brewers come in right quite a bit behind them at 90 wins. Hmm. I'm going to say a little, yeah, I'm going to say a little under. I would Just say a little bit. Too. Like, I would put the plus minus at like 87 and a half. I Not like, too far. I, I am actually a really big fan of their addition of Willie Adamas, who was an absolutely atrocious hitter in Miami last year, but then after the trade deadline was the best hitting shortstop in baseball. Um, So I think he's a big boost to their, or to their uh, rotation or their, their 
lineup. There's the word I'm looking for. And their pitching rotation isn't bad. They've got a very deep bullpen as well. They're well coached. They're kind of an under the radar team, but I think they're going to be pretty well for the next couple of years. Uh, 90 wins, I think would be a tad bit high, but even if they land at 87, 85, 83, they're still making the playoffs. You know, as I look at the roster though, dude, and kind of remind myself. Christian Yelich is not who Christian Yelich used to be. Either. No, and neither is Andrew McCutcheon. But you still have Keston Huera. Yep. Corbin Burns. I like Corbin Luis Arias as a backup second baseman. Colton Wong, who can play catcher as well. Um, Rowdy Telez, who has some power. Willie Adamas. Yeah. Jace Peterson. Adrian Hauser. Brandon Woodruff is a really good pitcher for them. Kirk Cousins' his cousin, Jake. <laughs> Isn't that his actual cousin? I don't know. I think it's his actual cousin. It might be. Um, I don't know. I, I could see him winning 90 games, though. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm going to put the plus minus for myself still at 87 and a half. So under. And I don't, but the thing is, I don't think they're falling out of the playoffs. No, they should be a wild card yeah, team for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So then to a team coming off a World Series. The Atlanta Braves. My thing with them is as good as their lineup is, I think their addition of uh, Olsen um, at third base is going to help them defensively a ton and with a stick in the lineup, regardless of if Acuna is healthy early or late coming off his injury. Their young pitching staff after all, that playoff run last year, all of them should make a, a step forward. Like Max Fried could win 20 games this year, and I think he's their fourth starter. Mike Soroka, Charlie Morton, Kirby Yates. That that team is good. Like, let's not they still they brought back Eddie Rosario, who if he can duplicate what he was able to do in the back half of the season last year, that's a guy who's gonna hit 30 home runs and bang home 80 plus RBS. It's a good team. It's a good team. They just got to get Acuna healthy, and I think they'll be better late than early. Like, they'll probably be the best team after the All-Star break, but probably a middling team before them. So you're basically saying that they're going to somewhat replicate what they did last year. Yeah. With the Acuna injury, it would make sense to me if that was the case. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 90 wins is pretty much dead on. Yeah. I do see them finishing better than the Brewers. That's a better, better team. Yeah. So uh, then with one of their division rivals in the New York Mets, who seem to be making an actual run at it this year, um, pretty good rotation with DeGrom, and they bring in Scherzer. Robinson Cano comes back this year. Uh, they've got some of the pieces in place um, for, yeah, look at this rotation. DeGrom, Scherzer, Tawan Walker, and Carlos Carrasco. And so the fifth spot comes down to any of these guys who would start in any other rotation around the MLB. Like they could very easily walk. I mean, walk into a, a ninety win season. Their over unders at eighty nine and a half. Yeah, I mean, the the thing to not get is Taiwan Walker really a one? If for another no, team, no, no, though, no, like no, no. you see what I'm saying, like he is a two or a three. Yeah, but he's one of the better two or three <laughs> pitchers in the league, right? But Degrom and Scherzer is your the meat of that. Yeah, that we're looking at. And they're 66 of your 160 games. Carrasco could also be a, a one in a lot of rotations. Yeah. Rotations like the twins that don't have anybody. Um, I'm going to say 85, 90 games, 90 wins. I'd say 90 is a pretty comfortable number. I would take the over on them, but not by much. Would you take the Braves over the Mets? That's a coin flip for me. I like 
Atlanta's hitting better. The thing that makes me hesitant about the Mets is the fact that they found every way possible to lose ball games late last year, which leads me to believe that they don't hit well in big spots and their bullpen needed help. And they really didn't address the bullpen in the offseason. You know what I mean? So are they just trusting in the development that has yet to be seen? Yeah. I mean, I'll take the Braves over the Mets, actually. I'll make it known. Nice. I think it's a coin flip. I, I just wouldn't be able to tell you. Um, but staying in that division, in an incredibly competitive one, we go to the Philadelphia Phillies, who I think made all the right offseason moves this year. Harper needed help. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not get this wrong. Harper is an MVP caliber guy in your clubhouse who wants to win. Yep. Like, he's fiery. He's a clutch hitter. Um, I like the fact that they went out and got Castellanos from the Reds. I like the fact that they brought in Kyle Schwarber. Um, from Boston to DH and protect him or vice versa as a guy that could possibly hit 40 home runs this year for you. Um, question for me is once again in the starting rotation. I mean, yeah, like, like Tyler was saying though, with DD coming back healthy, it, this could be kind of one of those teams that puts up enough offense where the pitching doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's it is this the NL Twins? Maybe. And I think here's the other thing. Um let's keep in mind Harper is one of those guys that sometimes suffers from that shift. There's no shift for him. Would you be surprised if he hit 340 this year? No. It's going to be super interesting to see how they enforce that rule. Yeah. So I it's going to be weird. Um the over under was at 87. 87. With pitchers like Kyle Gibson. Um, I agree with you, Gabe. Gabe says Schwarber could be an enormous pickup. I'll say plus 87. I would say plus 87, too. I think they're closer to the 90. I think in the AL, it's pretty... I think them and the Braves. I think in the AL, it's pretty evenly spread out. Mm -hmm. Teams that cascade all the way down. I think in the NL, there's your teams, and then there's a bunch of bottom feeders. I think there is a large step down in talent when you look at the National League. So you're going to see a lot of teams in the mid eighties to a hundred wins. And then you're going to see a bunch of teams with only 60. Like I really do believe that about the national league this year. Um, And one team that could fall into that 60 win category, if they're not healthy enough would be the San Diego Padres. And they're already missing Fernando Tatis for the first two months of the season. They're over unders at 86 and a half, Mike. Yeah. I mean, with that tight of a division or a a league, you have to be healthy. And Um, they're not. But they're not bad without Tatis. Like no. they're they're not as good as they are, obviously, with him. Um, but Manny Machado, Luke Voigt, Jake Cronenworth, that like that's a really good infield just missing a shortstop. You know what I'm saying? Like my worry is about Machado's bat minus Tatis, because Tatis protects Manny in a lot of those situations. Yeah, but you also have Luke Voigt who can hit the ball. That's out of the true. They for did sure. pick up Luke Voigt. I did forget um, that. Yeah, I I eighty six and a half. Does Jerks and Profar step up and play the way that he I was supposed to with I don't Tatis think so. being out? I don't think so. Um, That's a tough sell for me. I think so. I think they're good enough to be a 90 win team. So let me, yeah. So 90 win team, but they're good enough to be a 90 win team with Tatis healthy and they're going to like run out of season. 
Yeah, I would say. So by I'm going to say it's going to be like healthy. 79, 80 wins, but they're a good enough team that they're beating teams that might be going to the playoffs, if that makes sense. I would agree. Like, they're just at the, where they run out of runway because he wasn't healthy early enough. Yeah. I could very much see that being the case for the San Diego Padres. Um, and then the St. Louis Cardinals, who are going to get their swan song with the Saint, uh, with Albert Pujols this year over under at 86 right behind them. Does Albert bring enough magic to get them into a wild card spot in the uh, NL here, Mikey? You had some strong opinions about it before the show. I mean, let's just look at Pujols' numbers. This is what Mike, I was talking Mike, about. Mike, quote unquote, said that Albert Pujols has been god awful for five years, which isn't an inaccurate statement, but he's still chasing a home run title. Oh, Jesus Christ. We're not going to do that right now. We don't, have, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough. We don't have enough time. I mean, under under two fifty average in one year since twenty eighteen with over twenty home runs. Like he he's he plays in the roster because his name is Albert Pujols at this point. He'll get his he'll get his swan song as a DH this year and probably six home runs in twenty twenty. Only thirty nine games played in. Like I, hey, I mean, in his first know, man in his first game back in St. Louis last night, I think they scored something ridiculous like twenty nine runs. Well, they did, but like, that's not, that's not sustainable. I understand that. I'm just saying maybe he brings a little magic back to the ballpark. Plus or minus Pujols plays 60 games this year. Plus. I'm not with too the, convinced. With the DH being a full-time fixture in the NL this year? I'm just not super convinced. We'll see. I believe he will. Um, and then last but not least. Uh, so say, 86 wins for the Cardinals. Under. Under. Severely under. They could be one of those 60-win teams as well. Yeah, See, I, I think I they're going to be like a 65-win team. I think after the Phillies... They'll be like somewhere in between those two piles of teams. I think after the Phillies, like the Padres, the Cardinals, and then with all of the exodus with the Giants, that's where that's that's the gap right there is in those teams. Look at all What, the you don't see the Marlins as being a playoff team this year? Not, not without Jeter. Yeah, right. <laughs> so let's get that straight. But that would be the last team at 85 and a half wins, probably fighting for a wild card spot, which is wild to me because of the run that they were on last year but my opinion on why they will be well under 80 wins this year is they lose gossman they lose chris bryant and most importantly they lose their franchise level catcher we here in minnesota know what that's like as much as i don't like joe mauer when the twins lost joe mauer how good were we the following season so you admit it that's, that's not, we're not like we're not gonna it. get hung up on it answer my question how bad were the twins the year after mauer retired bad very bad how bad were we the year before he retired Probably not great. Really bad. <laughs> okay. With Buster Posey leaving the Giants this year in retirement, that is your clubhouse, your locker room leader. That is the staple. No team fares well after that guy leaves the building. Pretty sure the Braves were bad after Chipper Jones left. Pretty I think the one catcher I see on their roster right now is, oh, Joey Bart and Kurt Casali. <laughs> Don't know who they are. Joey Bart is, he's no Buster Posey. Nobody's Buster Posey. But you want to talk about a Hall of Fame catcher? Buster Posey's a Hall of Fame. Catcher. He was he was picked with the second overall pick in the 2018 draft. Like gotcha. he's definitely got some potential, and they'll be okay in a few years. But yeah, he's not going to step in right away and be Buster. Posey. I would say I like guys like Logan Webb. I like some of the pieces that they have available. I like that they have yeah, Alex Cobb, Jock Peterson. I like Yastrzemski's kid that plays there. Like I like the Giants. I just don't know if I like them enough to get them back into the playoffs this year. Minus some of the talent that they needed to get there last Didn't year. Didn't Lamont Wade Jr. play for the Twins for a little bit? I think so. He did. Yeah, I'm going to say 70 wins. Because, like, 
<clears throat> yeah, 70 would be about par for me. There's going to be a group of teams, like you said, 80 plus. There's going to be like one or two teams in between that, like, hey, if we would have won that series, we might have, you know. Yeah. And then everything else. Yeah. And I'd say the Giants and the Cardinals are going to be those two teams that are in no man's land. Yeah, I would agree there. And by the way, the Cardinals pitching staff is just old. Yep. So old. And then, you know what they did? They brought in the oldest guy in the league <laughs> to, to hit homers. All right. I love it. All right. Well, let us know what you guys think uh, for your predictions on over-under wins for the MLB. I know that was kind of a lengthy segment, but we needed to touch on it. Because guess what? Opening day is seven days away, and I'm so excited. We will get back to you here on the show or afterwards in the comments. And we can uh, move on from the MLB over to the NHL and talk about the wild and wild wolf watch. Gabe says, imagine how bad it would have would have been to lose Mark Grace. It would have been awful. Where's our counter? That's three weeks in a row. It's three weeks in a row. Well, just, you know, you said how bad the twins were when they lost Mauer. It's like it'd be another 20, 30 losses if you lost Grace. Oh, I read that as, like, how bad it would have been to lose to Mark Grace. How bad would it have been to lose Mark Michael, Grace? Michael, you were you. laughing at Mike. How dare you? He's going to come on this show, and I hope he Will Smiths you. He will put a cigarette out in your cheek. He smokes cigarettes Gabe during can the take game. Him. Oh, no. ah, see. I wouldn't raise a hand to him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure if Mark Grace ever blessed this show, Gabe would kiss the ground that he walked in on. All right, and with that, we'll kick off our Wild Wolf watch. <laughs> it's been a good, it's been a, uh, we'll start with the Minnesota Wild here. Been a good home stretch. Wait, I thought, weren't we hitting the five? We're not going to do this again because like I told alarm? you that all no? of the moves that okay. they made were warranted and they're panning out. The size on defense has worked to free up Kirill, who is now chasing franchise records for points and goals and things like that for a single I mean, season. I think he was two weeks ago, but sure. Andre Fleury got into net and looks fantastic. Now the nod's going to go to Cam Talbot again tonight, and Fleury will get another night off. That's fine with me just based on how hot he is. He's got eight straight wins under his belt. That's what the NHL is touting at this point. But better to have him in the Mark Andre Fleury in your back pocket than Capo Kakinen. And the Wild are just rolling, man. I, I like it. I think this is what we wanted to see when the, when the moves got made. Yeah. Um yeah, I feel like that guy on the screen think, right there. I think uh, I don't think the regular season really matters at this point with the moves that we made. It's it's all based on how we play in the playoffs, to be honest. And and we're gonna get there. So it's you don't you don't think that? Wait a minute, say that again. I don't think that the regular season matters with the moves that we made. I think it all depends on how we play in the playoffs, I got and so we think, will be getting there. So, so it's this is all kind of moot games at this point. Well, I mean, you can start looking at things like home ice advantage and yeah, different I mean, stuff for like sure. that. Uh, obviously, the games still matter, but like the moves that we made were to win a Stanley Cup. Yes. So you can't judge it until the cup we, is given out. Until we get to the playoffs, right. And I'm glad that if we're going to make a playoff or a cup run, that Marc-Andre Fleury is the guy that we got in the building to do it. I want to make it clear. I agree with you. That is not the part that I disagreed with. I agree with you there. Agreed. <laughs> One seven in a row. Keep it going, Wild. Absolutely. So they actually play tonight, I believe. Gabe, do we have the schedule? Against that we do. And guy. I just want to say, uh, Mike, apology accepted. Yeah. Apology accepted. For what? On your bullshit take last week. I thought that you were apologizing. That, that was an apology? <laughs> it should be. You know how mad he is now. Now I'm going to get Will Smith. 
All right. Well, uh, they play Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight. I think that'll be an interesting matchup. That is definitely a playoff caliber team that you want to see uh, the Wild play well against. Um, it'll be and, interesting to actually leave the XL for once. Yep. And then we go on a road trip uh, as we close, start to close out the season. We go to Carolina on the second. We play the Capitals on the third, Nashville on the fifth. And then we will be back with you before we play the Blues on the eighth. Michael, what is your prediction for the Wild upcoming? And you better answer that question from your father. It wasn't a question. It was a. It was an exclamation. What was it? It was him uh, um, sort of co-signing what we said. <laughs> Let oh, me put it up here. Yeah, he hates me. So <laughs> <laughs> the Penguins game. I'll say win. Hopefully, we close out this. I think it's like a ten-game home stretch that we had. It was nine. Unbelievable. It was really cool. Um, hopefully, we close that out with a win. That'd be a great game. Um, Carolina isn't great, so I'd like to see a win there. Nine. There we go. Okay, how many wins are we gonna get? 10 and 10 in Washington. I think Washington. Mm, let me triple check. I don't think we beat Nashville. I don't. Uh, on the road. Back like every others. I don't think we beat Nashville there. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say we steal one from the caps. Double digit win streak. Yeah. I'll take a loss to the uh, to Nashville. And I and think I, we lose to Nashville. And I believe then with two days off, we rebound and we beat St. Louis. Sure. Which is a team that beat up on us in the winter. Yeah, Classic, that's going to be an So we got to get, we got to get, we got to get the get back. Well, that's going to be the game to really watch to see. Because they got the size. A, the St. Louis game is going to be a preview of what the playoffs are going to be. Yes. It's, it's going to show us, did the trades that we did make enough physicality? Um you know, and goaltending defense play going against a team like St. Louis that is just going to come in and beat you up. Yep. So that's going to be kind of the preview to the answer that we're going to get in the playoffs. I would agree with that you. game on the eighth. But we're looking to stretch to a 10-game win streak before we possibly take a loss in Nashville. Uh, let us know what you guys think upcoming for the Minnesota Wild. By the way, congratulations to Goligoski, who just signed a two-year extension, even though it's probably going to come at the cost of either Dumba or Fiala this upcoming year. More than likely Dumba. Due to cap restraints, which kind of sucks. But congratulations to him on getting paid. And we can move on over to the Minnesota Timber Puppies of late. I know they're above 500, but uh, after getting absolutely bullied by Boston, uh, cause for concern backpedaling into the playoffs here, Mike? No. All right. Go ahead. I mean, dude, Boston is literally one of the best teams in the East as of late. Yeah, they beat up on everybody. Um, played them at their house. Yeah. Was close for some time until basically Boston is just... Boston's very similar to us, I would say, other than their depth. They just are so much deeper, no. so much better. Their, the um, talent level of their depth is a right. step above where we're at right now. Right. And then, you know, taking a tough loss to the Raptors, that one to me is a little bit more concerning but again the raptors are eight and two in their last 10 and yeah. playing very good basketball well, so they got um the, og ananobi back and that yeah. is a big the lift thing for that's them. concerning to me though is we need to be losing these games 125 to 120 you can't have you a can't seven be losing by 25 points listen and not only that they had a 17 point lead in last night's mm -hmm. game at some point and here has been the overwhelming and I said it last week. This has been my issue lately with the Wolves. Anthony Edwards, inconsistent on offense, and Cat's defense has been Cat of two years ago. 
for him to get beat up on the way that he did um, when we played against Powell and the Mavericks, and then DeAndre Ayton drops 33 on him, and then last night his you know in Boston he got bullied off the block, and they scored a ton of points in the paint, and then this it's he's got to go back to the beginning of the season where he was like, oh, I did all this work with Ben Wallace. It's time for that to show because if we're going to win in the playoffs over a series, who do you think they're going to go to attack to try to get into foul trouble and to get easy points in the paint to score and to get momentum scoring-wise? It's going to lean on Cat. If he wants to truly be considered, like he says that he is, as one of the best big men in the NBA, he's got to start to make his money playing defense in the paint. That's that's Agreed. That's what it's got to be. I mean, five games left to play. Got to get it right. We're 43 and 34. What's the, what's the most wins the Timberwolves have ever had? Uh, it's got to be the KG, Cassell, Sprewell, Zerbiak years. Yeah. Gabe, while he looks that up, can you get us the schedule? I'm actually having a little snafu with the schedule. So oh, just, no. Uh, yeah. Wait one second. It looks like we had the, this one from last week uploaded twice. So All good. one second. 58 and 24 was that there. one year. That's ridiculous. In 04. Yeah. That was a really but good team. This is, this is already the seventh best year we've always or ever had. Really? Yeah. Which, dude, like, if you take out 2018, which is basically an anomaly because of Jimmy Butler. Yes. Like, it's been 20-some years since we've been. Well, it's been a minute. Yeah. It's been a minute, minute. So, I'm very pleased with being a seven seed. I think that we're going to beat the Clippers even with Paul George at home. I think, yeah. dude, we're we're a tough team to play at against at oh, home. We're a tough team to play against. Yeah, at home, I would agree. We're I think t- we're an even tougher team to play against in a series. My concern is us never getting to a series game. Well, we're twenty five and thirteen at home. Clippers are sixteen and twenty three on the road. We're going to be playing at home. It's it's going to be tough for them to come in and beat us. And that lines here. us up right now with Memphis. Memphis. I'd much rather play Memphis than Phoenix, than yeah. Dallas, who just beat us by 25 points. I also think, because the other option is what? Golden State for us, based on how Golden things are State's shaking up? Golden four right now. Oh, really? So it's going to be Golden State and Denver. Golden State might be in trouble in that series. Yeah. And and then the Jazz, Mavericks. Yep. Um, Austin Grizz. And then it's going to be what I think is probably going to be Clippers and Suns. Well, it's going to be a good chance to rebound. Uh, tomorrow, we play Denver on the road. Uh, we get a little bit of a cupcake game against Houston. Don't mess that one up. Can definitely use the win um, before we uh, come home to face uh, Washington and then the sure. San Antonio Spurs on at 7 o'clock. But we will be with you guys before that game. But it's kind of the end of the season. Remember going into the Dallas game, we wanted to split the next two weeks. So if we beat Denver on Friday night, we went 2-4. and four. Ideal was three and three. So it's really not as bad as it looks. Jeez. I almost took Josh Donaldson's head off. Most guys in the Twins clubhouse wanted to at one point or another. But seriously, though, like, yeah, it does look bad. We lost to Boston by 20. We lost to, you know, Toronto by 20. But it's not as bad as it looks. This was a very tough stretch of games. Yeah. And if we could go two and four or three and three in that, that stretch, that's not that bad. Right, and I'm okay with the every other with Dallas because if you get into a series where you have home court advantage and you go every other with Dallas, you come out with a series win. You're not going to have home court this year, but... Yeah. Um, You know, uh, San Antonio, by the way, congratulations to them. I think they're going to sneak up above the Lakers and make the playoffs. And if you don't live in Los Angeles and you root for the Lakers, I hate you. Just want you to know. I can actually, that's a sentiment I can agree with Mike on. And then we end the year, I think, by the way, uh, our last game of the season is at home against Chicago. 
I think that's a perfect way for us to end the season. Chicago's a great team, and it's going to be playoff atmosphere basketball, and it's going to be at home. It'll be a nice little warm-up before we get into our play-in game, wherever that's going to be. It's going to be here. Yeah, We basically have the seven seed locked up. Oh, do we? Well, there's five games to play. We have a five-and-a-half game lead on the Clippers at eight. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I would say mathematically, we can st- we're can we two-and-a-half games back of the Jazz at six. Hey. hey. All right, congratulations to uh, Notoriety Sports Network. That is our affiliate partner where we uh, put all of our live comments to the show on finally hitting 40,000 followers on Facebook this last week. Um, little note here from Dylan. Flip back one more for me, Gabe, so I can read that off uh, for Dylan over at Notoriety. There we go. We appreciate everyone tuning in with us live every Thursday at 12 Eastern. Uh, give us a follow. That is true. And hey, congratulations to us. We crossed 250 followers on Facebook this week. So it has been a slow climb from zero, but we are uh, very appreciative of every single one of you that turn in, tune in each and every week on these shows and interact recently with our content. Uh, that we post on all of our different social media channels as well. So big shout out to Notoriety Sports for allowing us to be kind of like their flagship show uh, every Thursday and all of the great uh, breaking news that they put out week in and week out. I don't know if you guys know this. Dylan does a lot of hard work on that channel and uh, has a lot of the news posted before guys like Rappaport and Schefter. He beats Schefter with some things. With it's a insane. Lo- with a lot of things. So if you're looking to be, you know, first in breaking news, definitely go give Notoriety Sports a follow. Um, they're a great platform to be on. So what was it last week, them. Nick, that he, um, like, whatever, crushed everyone on? It was great. Oh. I can't remember. We, uh, we talked about it on the phone. I just He had the second grand jury news out on Thursday yeah. before anybody else had it. Which is... And by the way, he also had that he wasn't going to be indicted as well. So, like, it's a well-connected guy with great sources that puts the news up when it needs to be put up. So, going to give him his roses here. All right. And we'll uh, swing on over to breaking NFL news. Yeah. Uh, some news going on in the NFL. Uh, some that I like. Some that I think is bullshit. Some that I don't mind. You can pick which one you want to start with. Uh, NFL rule. Oh, I'll just go in order. NFL overtime <laughs> rule change. I hate it. I hate it. I don't like it. Why not just not have defenses? Why not just play seven on seven football moving forward? I I, like this. No, 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 no. The whole point of overtime to me is on the defensive side. Can you make a stop? That state of mind is no longer fucking relevant. And I understand that it's a hundred percent of cash grab because the NFL as a business wants to see Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson or Tom Brady or whoever it is get another opportunity. But the whole point behind getting another opportunity is earning it. And this is not earning another opportunity to win yourself a football game. I don't like this at all. So it does devalue defenses and special teams. However, It changes the entire dynamic of the overtime coin toss. Which is ridiculous. I heard there was somebody that actually commented in on Rich, the Rich Eisen show that said the coin toss should be the coin toss from the start of the game, and that's what should be impact. That's what it should be for overtime. If you get what do, what do you mean? So that was so say I flip a coin and I go heads and it's tails, and you get the option. You should also get the option in overtime then. 
So so it's still a coin toss. Depend- yeah, but it's at the beginning of the game. It's not putting all of the weight on who is or isn't going to win on a coin toss. It's still putting all overtime. of the weight of who is going to win on a coin toss. It's just the coin toss happened three hours ago. <clears throat> so, yes, it does devalue defenses and special teams. However, if you're the winner of the coin toss in overtime now. Now you go second. You go second. So it's just interesting. We're going to see different strategies played out. If the other team scores on you in overtime, you now literally have four downs to play with the entirety of your drive. Yep. Um, it's going to be interesting, and I don't necessarily disagree with it because I did have a... I get that it devalues defenses and you should be able to make a stop when you need to make a stop. However, when you get into the postseason and these offenses are literally some of the most high-powered offenses of NFL history at this point. Because you can't touch them, which is already bullshit. The reason I'm kind of split on this rule because I did have a bad taste in my mouth when the Chiefs beat the Bills. And I have a bad taste in my mouth now. You see what I'm saying? Like, that wasn't fair. And neither is this. So here's, there's got to be something. I don't. I don't know what it is. And football coaches are going to hate me for it. And I'm gonna. I'm gonna say this was after having the time to think about this because I didn't think it was actually going to change. Here's what I thought. Nobody wanted to see offenses get any more opportunities. Nobody liked the way it was currently going to that it was currently being handled <clears throat> in, in the playoffs. So you know what I think it is. I think you can't have one side be happy. If you're going to do it, have everybody be unhappy. Line up your fucking kickers at yes. the 40 going backwards That's exactly what I and was do thinking. a kickoff. Back yep. it up five yards every single time until somebody misses. Yep. And that's how the playoff ends. Yeah, why not? That's have, exactly have like how it should go. Have a shootout. That's exactly how it should go. I almost, yeah, I almost agree. Like, because now one side's unhappy and the other side's happy. You can't have that. Fuck it. Let's have everybody be unhappy and leave it on the kickers. I don't hate it. I really don't. Let's go. <laughs> like That's my proposal, NFL. Listen up. Yeah. All right. So let us know what you guys think about the NFL rule time over or NFL. Oh gosh. <laughs> I think I am getting sick. NFL rule overtime, overtime rule change. Um, and who does it benefit? And yeah, it benefits then, all the offenses. And then the next uh, piece of news would be Lamar Jackson, not having a deal in place going into his fifth year option with Baltimore. There are some rumors circulating out there that he wants to go to Miami and go home with that high-powered offense that they're building. But then he comes out and puts this tweet. Uh, I love my Ravens. Don't know how, who the hell putting that false narrative out that I'm not having thoughts or that I'm having thoughts about leaving. Stop trying to read my mind. I think he's extremely happy in Baltimore, but he's also his own agent. And that team seems to already be suffering with some cap issues. What do you think Lamar Jackson's future looks like, Mike? There was a coach. Oh, dude, my brain is like not working right now. There was a coach who just came out and said that a player wasn't going to get traded, and then the player got traded. Um, Tyreek Hill. No, Andy Reid didn't say that he wasn't going to be moved. There was a coach. I can't. I, I'm going to think of it right when we end the show. There was a coach who literally came out and said, "No, this player is with us. He's he's not going to be traded." Two days later, he was traded. Um, That's was it. Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. Yes. Did Pete Carroll say yes. that Russ was there? Yep. Yeah. So I mean. You can't, you can't trust any of this. Lamar could be literally working behind the scenes on getting a trade. He could be on the phone with Tyreek Hill in Miami as he's tweeting this. You don't know. Yeah. You know, and the, the interesting thing is Harbaugh got a three-year extension. 
And Lamar does, does Harbaugh does Harbaugh get an extension to bridge the gap between Lamar and their next quarterback? Does Harbaugh get an extension to help convince Lamar to stay there? It would make sense to me to see Lamar leave to go back to Miami. Yeah, it would make sense. But and here's why. If you're not planning on trying to re-sign him, why extend your coach? Why not have them both on a one-year and see kind of what happens? Exactly. Uh, I think, and I don't think it's, some people are, I'm going to say this, and some people are going to be like, oh, well, what they saw out of their backup quarterback was enough. Maybe it was. He played. Tyler Huntley well. does fit their system well. He would literally not be an NFL quarterback anywhere else. But what has Lamar, and this is this is my argument to him leaving for Miami, what has Lamar's Biggest object, uh, ob, uh, objective been since getting into the league? Biggest objective? Yes. Proving that he is an NFL yeah, quarterback. I would say, yeah, I would agree with that. Not a running back. And I think the next step for Lamar is getting into an offense that's going to be a little bit more wide open and allow him to chuck the ball around and save his body a little bit. So Jalen Waddell. Tyreek Hill, Miles Gaskins, Mike Daniels, an improving defense, going home to Miami where he's going to be loved for coming home to, to put them in contention for a championship. All of those pieces to me says Lamar should go yeah, to I mean, Miami. I, I, I definitely understand your logic. I just I think you're discounting how good that Ravens offense is as well. They, they have... There's Mark, something Marquise Brown, Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews, but it's a different offense. J.K. Dobbins. It's a different offense. Like I and I agree because I like Bateman and I like Brown. That is not a passing offense. The offense that we've seen that lends us to think what Miami is going to run is a very run-heavy offense, though coming from San Francisco. But I think some of that comes from the limitations that you see. Two, I think, in, in Miami's past offense. I think part of what you see with the San Francisco stuff is more Shanahan. And Mike Daniels could have his own ideas on how to spread the ball out down there. I mean, he obviously, he's, he's, he's his own person. He could run it differently. But the coaching tree that he comes from yeah. is a 30-year-old coaching tree that is 65% run, and it's inside zone and outside zone. Harbaugh and had Kaepernick, just, and they made it work. A Harbaugh had Kaepernick, and they made it work in San Francisco. Yeah, I just that's I a think different the, coaching tree, dude. I think the bones of that stuff is there. Like it would not surprise. Like I'm just saying. I mean, and I know I, Lamar I loves think, Baltimore. I just don't think that the offense is going to be. It's not going to be Kansas City's wide open offense that you think it's no. going to be. No, no, it's no. going to be a lot more conservative. It's going to be single back, double tight end. It's going to be outside zone, inside zone. So yes, does he fit that as a running quarterback? Yeah, but that goes against your whole opening argument about him trying to be a passer and prove that he's a true quarterback in the NFL. I don't know. I if I had to bet, I would say he's with the Ravens in 2023. I really do. Baltimore doesn't, they're not going to move on from Lamar Jackson to Tyler Huntley just like that. They're just I don't, not going to. I don't think they are either. So unless they draft a quarterback in the draft this year, there's nothing to lend me to believe that they would move on from Lamar after this year. Okay. I think the other part of this is there's something in the Baltimore in Baltimore's current system that is scaring away wide receivers. Two years ago, 
they had the opportunity to bring in some guys. In this year, they've had some opportunity to bring in some guys. T.Y. Hilton all but had his name signed on the dotted line with Baltimore before he turned around to go play with Carson Wentz. Let's frame that up. He turned around the biggest payday of his career to return to Indianapolis, make less money, and play with Carson Wentz. They also, I think there are other receivers that were on that list that they wanted to go get that the Ravens couldn't throw, be a stone's throw away from because of the system that they're in offensively. And I think that's part of what Lamar wants to get away from. He wants to prove that I'm not a running back that throws the football. I'm a quarterback that can run. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with that logic. I just, Miami isn't the place to go to if that's the logic he's following. Maybe. And how do you know that they're basically, hey, T.Y., yeah, we'll give you this number, and that's the number that's reported, but that number is actually the incentive-based number? That it's what he, that he went on Pat, McAfee, on Pat McAfee's show, and he said, I'll make more money in the first year of my deal with Baltimore than I would have made my entire career with So we're just going to take his word for it, right? Yes. Okay. That's his ex-teammate. I would hope that. I mean, but he he could also say, well, I know I'm going to get 800 yards, and that's that incentive. And without explaining it, he could still say, I'm going to make more money here, even if it's an incentive-based contract. Would you agree? Then why is no other receiver signed there, then? I I think that they're low-balling receivers because they have a big contract coming with number eight. Maybe. It's an interesting topic. It's something that I'm definitely going to be paying attention to as the season creeps up. and, And... with how he plays, dude, he could get injured week eight, and then there goes his big deal too, right? So it's going to be interesting for sure. This is going to be one of the more interesting ones he because he himself. does play more aggressive and kind of puts himself more at risk than in the average quarterback. Yeah, and he represents himself, so you're not going to get the, the normal negotiation style. Right. Some, all things to watch, and then last but not least, Bruce Arians. Yeah, I, I was really sad to hear this one because of how urgent it was. It lends me to believe that it was a health decision. Listen, you're talking to th- we're talking about the same guy that at one point said that his wife was like, "Oh, your son turns 40 this year." And he kind of like picked his head up and went, "Fucking 40? How oh my god. Where's the where's the time gone?" Yeah. Like He's been a guy that <laughs> I heard Gabe's laugh. Yeah. He's been a guy that has dedicated himself to football for a very long time. Um there are some rumors out there now about him and Tom not getting along, you know, they're not as close as they should be. I don't buy into that at all. But I, I don't think, think Tom would have come back. I think the returning of Tom, the returning of Tom allowed Arians to move into a front office role because based on the competitive juices of Tom Brady, I'm going to go ahead and take a wild swing here. And especially since it was Todd Bowles and not Leftwich that got the coaching, the head coaching job and got the extension right away, that the offense is going to be Tom's offense this year. Like it's a hunt, like they're going to give Tom the keys. It's going to be plays that Tom wants to run. Tom, it's going to be his first look at what life after football might look like as a coach. And I think that's where all the pieces fall here. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree. I I think I almost think that they should have gone left, which is head coach. I agree because you can almost allow Tom to run the offense. So now Todd Bowles has to run the defense and he has to be the head coach. There are two different sets yes. of duties with those two jobs. So instead of basically making Leftwich just the head coach and OC behind, you know, Tom Brady. Now, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be difficult. And let's not forget, Todd Bowles did not succeed as a head coach the first time around. No. 
So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be something to watch as well in Tampa Bay. This but NFL season is gonna be weird. His his by the way, him not succeeding his first time around, I think, is insulated by the fact that Arians will be in the front office to help him. I think like like I yeah, said, yeah, but at the same time, he's a, not on the sideline in the crunch time in you know, late great, in the fourth quarter. It's a great game of Tetris that Tampa is gonna have to play this year to run it back. So uh, let us know what your guys' thoughts are on some of the big news around the NFL. Yes, I know the Vikings brought back Patrick Peterson, but we're going to get to that next week as we start to do some of our mock draft and some of the other things. And our last topic is going to be surrounding March Madness. We don't have time to do our Elite Eight recap, but we will definitely talk about the Final Four. Mike, are you excited for this year's uh, NCAA cream of the crop? I'm excited for one game. And the only reason is because I've been a North Carolina guy since Great I was like... Graphic, Gabe. Thank you. Uh, since I was like eight. Yeah. Kind of hated Duke. Honestly, the Villanova-Kansas game is boring to me. It's two blue blood schools. Villanova's <laughs> been to the Final Four three the last five years. Nobody cares. Give me St. Peter's in there and then yep. I'll maybe watch yep. it. You know what yep. I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I just really don't care about the Nova-Kansas game personally. But if I am allowed to by the women I live with, I will more than likely be tuning into the Duke-UNC game. That's a ton the- of statistics going into this game to make it basically an instant classic and if you have the coach availability last game and watch this game it's coach k's last game this is the first time that they've met in a final four um coach k is 50 and 49 career against north carolina so so is he gonna finish just 500 against, against the his, biggest rival does let me ask you this we'll we'll say it real quick if he ends his career on that note 50 and 50 against duke's biggest rival and they miss out on a national championship does it taint his legacy even a little? I think what taints his legacy is that North Carolina ended his career at Cameron Indoor and then North Carolina ended his career, period. Yes. Like, yes. that's got to sting, man. And like, imagine, UNC, you dominated UNC, sure. You had Leitner, you had all the mm-hmm. Redick, and you, you played very well and were successful as Duke, as a powerhouse. But in the end, UNC beat you just as many times as you beat them. And they ended your career. Imagine the extension that would immediately come for the North Carolina head coach. My taint is my legacy. All right, Gabe. We appreciate you. We're definitely on uh, Saturday night's late night at NBC, folks. Yeah, we've been pretty clean language-wise today. Yeah, until Gabe called his taint his legacy. (laughs) (laughs) Laugh track. Nice. Very nice. Um, so the other thing that I wanted to say about this is I think, and this is going to be unfortunate. I think Duke, North Carolina is going to be touted as what the the national championship this year is going to be press coverage wise and everything. And I think whoever wins this game loses in the national championship because of the letdown of emotions, the emotional roller coaster that you're going to have to ride on. I don't think so. I personally, even if coach K wins, I think he gets beat in the national championship. I think it's a lose, lose situation for him. North Carolina, if they end Coach K's career and they lose in the national championship, well, at least they made it. You yeah, know but what I mean? so if, it's a little bit different. But. Yeah, but if Duke makes it to the national championship, dude, he did go fifty-one and forty-nine. He had a winning record against his biggest rival, who is also another blue blood powerhouse basketball school. He got his get back game then too. He got I his guess. get back game, and North Car- he can say for the rest of his life that North Carolina didn't end his career. He ended yeah. his career in a national championship game and not a Final Four game. So I think pick your winners. I'm I've always been a UNC guy, dude. I gotta go UNC. Um, and then Villanova, Kansas. I really don't care. I hope somebody throws a meatball sub on the court. Like (laughs) I don't care. You gotta pick one. Slightest. We're a show. Be professional. Um, 
The referee, no, uh, Kansas, <laughs> the referees. Like them in Kansas are one and the same, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we both got it. NC versus Kansas in the final. Look at that. Check that out. All right. We got it quickly because we're a Minnesota sports-based show. We have to very quickly touch on the women's final four. Oh, go Paige Beckers. So Coming home. Women's final four is being played where, Nick? Uh, I believe it's at the Target. Center? It's at the Target Center, man. And uh, Paige Beckers is coming home. We got South Carolina and Louisville. I'm coming home. Uh, and then Connecticut home. and Stanford tomorrow with the championship game being played Sunday, April 3rd. Louisville is also actually, I believe I believe it's Louisville, has like three Minnesota girls on it as well. So um, Minnesota girls basketball is starting to get put on the map a little bit. Let's nationally. go. If um, only they could stay in Minnesota. Lindsey Whalen has four Minnesota girls coming to the Gophers next year that are, I think are top let's go, let's 50 go, let's recruits. Go, let's go. So something to actually talk about and watch unfold. So, yes, congratulations to Paige Beckers. I'm definitely rooting for UConn to beat Stanford. Definitely rooting for UConn to win the whole thing. Damn Which straight. Very cool She's a one-woman wrecking crew. She is. She was ridiculous in the overtime periods for UConn uh, to get out of the Elite Eight against NC State, and that was a hell of a game, even if you don't enjoy girls basketball like just as a basketball fan um that was a hell of a game yeah you kind of ended up winning 91 to 87 so just thought we'd give her a quick shout out you know minnesota sports based podcast we got to talk about the final four being played in our backyard as well roses man got to give them when they're due yep absolutely like roses given to gabe for what an incredibly produced show today thank you buddy man thank you guys just for letting me you know be a part of this it's just uh what a humble, what like, what a great response from our producer. I feel like Mark Grace is standing over his shoulder. Like, <laughs> what to say? Like, there's a little fear in that voice almost. Like, no, it's all, it's all good, man. Well, another great show uh, from you, Mike, and Gabe as well. I am glad uh, everybody that joined us. Uh, thanks for tuning in. As always, we appreciate your support week in and week out. Um, make sure you tune in next Thursday to catch us. Um, we got a little bit of a lull this week, but next week it'll kick back up. I know we're going to start talking about the NFL draft. Um, we got some big UFC and boxing fights coming up. I've been touting that for a couple of weeks, but Ryan Garcia is finally going to be getting back into the ring. Um, we'll be recapping uh, your national championship in NCAA basketball. Major League Baseball kicks off next week on the 7th. The wild, our wild and Wolves will also be winding down their seasons and getting real close to the playoffs. So we're going to have to kick it into gear next week and bring you guys some good content. If you guys enjoy the show and want to be reminded to tune in weekly, Mike, where can they find us? As always, guys, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Spotify, and YouTube. That's right. We also have a Patreon and a Twitch, so if you'd like to donate to the show, Mike will be on Twitch here before too long, hopefully uh, to game with you guys or show you what a real Madden player looks like uh, as the season. I got to finish up my... Uh... RPG game that I'm playing before I can go back to sports games quick. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, yeah, leave a like, uh, hit that subscribe button and the notification bell. Uh, we post content daily on all of those channels where you guys can interact and leave your opinions as well. And we will respond to you uh, as always. Take care. Stay safe. See you guys next Thursday. See.